Welcome back, listeners. We have invited back a guest who's always down for a great conversation, which is exactly what we're going to have today. We're going to chat about a myriad of topics uh, that are timely, relevant for employers and HR professionals. So welcome, John. I'm not going to give the I'm not going to spill the beans and give the full name, uh, but it's great to have you back in the podcast. You were our first uh, our first recorded podcast actually a while ago. So so why don't I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, and reintroduce yourself to our listeners. Take 30 seconds, a minute, and uh, tell me about uh, who you work for and what you do. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having us back. Uh, my name is John Pace. I'm the chief people officer of Compass MSP here in Connecticut, uh, formerly known as IT Direct. Um, and so we are a, a technology success provider. Um, so essentially kind of like a, an outsourced IT, but more focused on making sure technology is moving our clients' businesses forward. Um, not focusing in on, you know, broken printers and, and Wi-Fi going down, but really harnessing the power of technology to do all of that. Um, so it's been, it's been a very, very fun ride and uh, moving all that forward. So I'm very, very happy to be back. Thank you for having me. We've had a, a, uh, an IT direct one digital sort of relationship for a while now. Some, some uh, leadership of both organizations are friends and, uh, and neighbors and so forth. And, uh, and we kind of align a lot culturally, um, which is why you were our first guest and why you're back on to sort of tackle some of these more recent um, cultural challenges uh, and so forth that companies are having. It's a very interesting time that we're in right now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? All right, so uh, let's start with the topic of returning to the workplace. Okay, It's top of mind for a lot of people. It certainly is here. Uh, I've also heard to it, it referred to as returning to people mm. uh, and not necessarily returning to, to workplace. One thing that was interesting, I heard somebody called it re return to work. And then somebody said, no, people have been working. Most people have been working harder than ever. Yeah. Working remotely uh, because the, the, they blurred the lines of, uh, of work and home. And uh, anyway, so our last podcast episode dove into the questions surrounding this, this idea of returning to people or returning to work, to the workplace. Um, what are you guys doing at IT Direct? Yeah, so we're, um, it's funny, everyone's got their own name for it. We've, we've been calling it finding our new normal because um, we don't know what that's going to look like, right? And I think the, the past 15, 16 months have really changed the way everyone's had to think and look at things. Um, but I, you brought up something there that was really interesting, which is while we all were continuing to work, most of us felt like we were working harder than ever. Right. And what's interesting is trying to figure out what's the root of that? Why is it harder when we're remote? Um, what, what was that balance? And so um, we're we're just now starting to figure out like, what does our return to normal look like? Um, and so we've kind of broke it down into four steps. Um, and so we broke it down into, you know, step one is let's just collect some facts. Let's figure out what's going on out there. Um, one thing we've realized is that if we, if we go into this thing with a grand plan up front, we're probably going to be disappointed and have to call a lot of audibles down the road. Um, so let's, let's talk to, let's talk to the team. Let's talk to other businesses. Let's see what's out there. What's working. What are people comfortable with? Where are they at? Um, and so that's really phase one. And that's where we're at right now. We just sent out a survey to all of our teammates, um, across the nation just to figure out, you know, how are you feeling about the virus? How are you feeling about coming back to work? Let's kind of collect that data and see where we're at. Mm. Um, 
And then from there, it goes into like phase two, which is really just analyze the data. What are we working with? What do we, what do we know? What do we not know? Um, and then phase three will be some form of like a slow transition or a structured transition. And then phase four will be a, whatever our new normal is. Um, so the data is that performance metrics? Is, no, is so we've been a very performance metric uh, company up front. What this data really is, is really getting to know the people, right? So you called it, you know, back to people. Um, so like the, the primary question, the first question alone is like, how do you feel about the vaccine? Right. And so, um, you know, a lot of companies are there trying to figure out like, do we incentivize people to get a vaccine? Do we mandate it? There's a lot of controversy up in the air about all those pieces. And so we figured instead of trying to figure that out, let's just ask the team how they feel. Yeah. Um, we've had about 60% response rate so far. And so far, 90% of our teammates either already have the vaccine or plan on getting the vaccine soon. Yeah. And so that allowed us to immediately say, okay, well, let's not focus our attention on mandating or incentivizing the vaccine because that's already in play. Let's shift our focus to what, what does the team need to feel more comfortable coming back in? Yeah. So the data is the the responses to the survey questions. Correct. To, yeah, Correct. To, to see where everybody's at. Yeah, I, that's a much shorter way of saying what I was trying to say. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, hey, you know, I love that that idea of uh, return to normal mm. or finding your new normal because you're saying we're not going to we're not going to get a few people on the leadership team together hold up in a room fully bake out this plan yeah. without any input from anybody and then trip all over ourselves when we try to execute it because we didn't be, because we didn't allow it to be somewhat organic and to be more of an evolution correct is you're going through this process this this evolutionary process i guess to figure out well, what are we going to look like? It might not be right. I think what you're saying is maybe we're not going to get people back in the office or is that on the table? It's like, is anything on the table or are there, are there things that you, that you feel like, okay, well, you know, we're going to let this happen organically, but we, we have to have this mm. like, you know, like are there guardrails? So th without a doubt, there are guardrails, right? And so one of the things that we're evaluating is at the end of the day, with all the data we're collecting, everything's got to tie back to our mission, vision, and values, right? And so when we think about how we're going to help our clients leverage the power of technology to reach their goals, when we think about our vision of becoming America's North American leader um, in providing technology solutions, and then we think about our core values and how we're going to execute on delivering on the mission and vision, those are our guardrails, right? And so figuring out what is the best case scenario to make sure that we stay on track to get those through. And so but some of the information we are finding, which is neat, is some of the, the service delivery teams uh, within the organization are either demanding or or requiring like being around each other more often. It just they are more effective. They have more fun. The clients get the interaction they need. I mean, at the end of the day, we are a technology company. So, you know, for example, Jeff, if you need a new laptop, it'd be very hard for me to just not give you a laptop, right? Like. We got to come here. We got to set up the laptop, make sure it's good to your needs. So, you know, doing all that virtually, there's a lot of value lost on the back end. And so as we're collecting all this data, we're also looking at, you know, this is our business. How does our business operate and what do we need to do to keep our clients happy, our teammates happy and everyone moving forward in whatever this new normal is going to be? Yeah. It's, I think a lot of people would think, oh, you're a technology company. You could, you, you don't, you know, you could be remote. Yeah. And, but you know, not true. Not true. At some point, someone's got to go and plug in the server and, yeah. and run the wiring and, and make sure 
you know, whatever you've got going on for a problem, a lot of times you can't figure it out remotely. Yeah. Or what if, what if the problem's so bad that the remote, remote agent doesn't work? Right. We got to go there. We got to be boots on the ground. So. so do, so have you had boots on the ground throughout the pandemic? Like what's the status today? Are, are, are some people back in the office some of the time or is everybody still remote? Where, where, where are you at? Um, so, you know, being a technology company, we were, we were put in the essential business bucket from day one. Yeah. Um, however, we drastically restricted what a lot of our like going on sites were at first. Um, just as we were trying to figure out what the virus was and how it looked. Um, we put a lot of protocols into place to make sure teammates and clients would be safe before we went and did it. Um, so that's on the business delivery side. From the office perspective, we never fully closed our office um, because at the end of the day, servers still needed to be plugged in and configured and turned on. So um, the vast majority of our team went remote early onset and then were coming into the office when they either found that they weren't affected from home didn't like working from home or needed to be in the office to get some of their job done. Um, and then over time that, that population coming into the office has been getting larger and larger and larger. Yeah. How have you handled people who are, who don't want to come back into the office? Like those people who are really uncomfortable and like, Nope, not doing it. Like what, what, what do you do there? So we've still been a little, uh, I guess I want to say relaxed, but maybe that's not the right term, but, We've been promoting coming in a lot more. We've been hosting, you know, in-office events, um, trying to do those things. And then, you know, this survey was really kind of the next step to figure out what are what are our teammates comfortable with, what are they not comfortable with, so we can figure out, okay, how do we get to, to phase three? Yeah, you're 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 still kind of understanding. You have Correct. to still be understanding. You haven't reached that point yet to say, hey, no, sorry, you know. No more of that. I'm not comfortable stuff uh, that, that maybe they'll be somewhere down the line. Yeah. Who, who knows where that's going to be. Right. Um, yeah. But I, you know, what I think will be interesting is as a technology company, we always had the flexibility. Um, so even pre COVID, you know, teammates could work from home when needed or what have you. So does this whole thing just turn it right back into that? Does it really revert to maybe a little more flexibility? Who, who really knows at this point? Yeah. Um, but as we get through the phases, you know, it'll hopefully the information will guide us tell us where we need to be you mentioned the vaccine mm. earlier briefly i want to come back to that yeah uh do you guys have a position on that in terms of mandating uh not mandating but incentivizing uh wh wh where's your stance if at all on the vaccine so we we have not had a stance and and as i mentioned that that survey is really trying to figure out what do we do we need a stance do we not need a stance and with the numbers coming in at 90 percent of teammates wanting it or already having it. Um, it really changes, you know, do we even need to focus in that area anymore? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good number. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. And, uh, we had you on the podcast before and, uh, and you speak a lot and highly, a lot about and highly of the, the culture, uh, mm. at your office. And that's one of the reasons you're, you're here again. Um, and it's really apparent just scrolling through your company's social media, that culture is a focus. You were recently acquired by a larger company, uh, and uh, you know I know you've got a lot of uh, clients across Connecticut that are merging or, or acquiring companies as they grow. So, but how did that impact your culture, that acquisition or that merger with a larger organization? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, right? Um, you know, going from a just under seventy teammate firm to an over two hundred teammate firm mm -hmm. um, overnight, right? Like that's a light switch. It's a big change, yeah. but I think. 
what's been really neat to, to really help maintain the culture and the environment is we made a commitment of, you know, no change without heads up. And so what we mean by that is when we, when we merged with Compass, you know, no teammates were let go. Everyone was kept on. As a matter of fact, we had like contractors who became employees. So not only was nobody let go, but more people came on board. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to change, a lot of, a lot of teammates feel like, well, if change is positive or benefiting me, I'm good with it. But if change is lateral or perceived to be less, it's tough to absorb, right? And so the key for us was making sure there is constant communication if there is going to be change. But one of the things we've been able to leverage and why this uh, you know, uh, merger was so important for us is this was a big upgrade for everybody. Um, you know, going to a, a firm this size now, we, are, we have the ability to drive a lot more value back to our clients. Whereas a, you know, a smaller technology company, you can't always be watching over every little piece of cybersecurity to identify you know, when a piece of hardware is really exposed. Mm -hmm. But now as a larger firm, there are teams dedicated to just watching that all the time. Um, and so from a client perspective, there's so much more value that we're able to drive, but also from a teammate perspective, which really enhances the culture, getting back to your original question, where we now have a wider network of figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And so allowing our Northeast team here, formerly IT Direct, to kind of continue to operate the way they've been operating, but also have these peer groups of all the other regions where they get together once a week and talk about what are they doing for service delivery? How does this make their job better? Holy, you know what? We tried this and it didn't work. Let's not do that in other regions. Um, and so immediately the information flow has created this new level of empowerment that has allowed the culture to continue to grow and, and build on what it is. So it's been a very fun and interesting ride. And is there also an improvement or, or an enhancement of opportunity for individuals as you know, you're now part of a larger national organization that opens up opportunity, correct? Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. endless opportunity. And so, you know, we recently merged, so who knows how much more opportunity will come up, but it's everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, you know, the chief people officer of just IT Direct previously, but now as the chief people officer of All Compass MSP, now the, the Northeast region, formerly known as IT Direct, you know, now we have Amanda who's stepping in and, and really looking after the culture every day, mm. you know, versus, you know, where I was doing it solely. And so um, there's those opportunities are popping up in all the different areas of the business for, for teammates to really promote and, and enjoy and learn and have a lot more fun. Did culture, um, was culture considered as you guys were out there looking for a company to merge with and, and to join and be a part of, was that part oh, of yeah. it? Oh yeah. It has to start pre-acquisition or pre-merger. Oh, 100%, I, I'd love to say 100%, maybe I would even say a thousand percent, which most people say it's not really real, but <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's the most important piece because any business that has at least one employee is in the people business. And so if you're in the people business and you don't have an intentional culture, what, what does the business really have? Um, and so if you don't have a culture alignment how are you going to be able to continue moving things forward the way you've been moving them forward? How does the team feel like this is a good thing for them versus just for some people? Um, you were willing to walk away from a merger opportunity if that cultural fit. Oh, hundred percent. And I think, you know, so even before we joined compass, you know, it direct was doing acquisitions beforehand as well. And we, we did walk away from a couple just because, you know, at the end of the day, if the, if the business model and the culture model don't line up, it's an uphill battle. Um, 
and, and is it one that's worth having? So, um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of there's a lot in many industries, a lot of M and A activity out there yeah. all the time. So, what what sort of what did you guys learn from your merger that um, that you'd like to share with? What are the takeaways you'd like to share with the HR professionals listening out there that are perhaps about to deal with a with that sort of cultural merging or marriage? Yeah, I, I think you know a couple lessons that we learned along the way, either being on the buying side or on the acquired side is that communication is key, frequent communication, but not just telling a story, but really understanding what does this mean for the end, you know, for, for the end user or the end teammate or whoever the audience is of that communication. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that communication ties all the way back so everyone truly understands what does this mean and, and what is it, you know, how is it going to affect me? Um, on top of that, making sure that there's an open channel to allow teammates to ask questions, get information, get excited, um, really keep that trickle effect going the whole time. So that way, as everyone's engaged and into it, then it's more kind of part of the organization. Um, and if at all possible, you know, if you think you're going to start doing acquisitions, you know, either to be acquired or to start acquiring other companies, talk about that openly with your team. Right, like we were very, very upfront about our, you know, what we call our BHAG, right? The big, hairy, audacious goal. We talk about it all the time with our company. So that way, as teammates, as we were telling them we were joining the Compass team, everyone's like, this makes sense. It's directly in alignment with our BHAG. Mm. So it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a shot out of left field wondering where did this come from? Yeah. Um, Communicate, communicate, communicate. Communicate. And I like, uh, I'm kind of sick of the word transparency. So you talked about being open. Same thing, you know, just communicate honestly. That's it. They can handle it. Speak human, right? Don't, don't sugarcoat stuff. Yeah. Just, just speak human. When, when you hide or when you're secretive about information, um, it, it kind of, it kind of, um, you're assuming that people just can't, they can't deal with it, which is really kind of insulting. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think that if you kind of just trust people to be able to, to deal with it, yeah. you know, and, and figure out on their own that actually this is a good thing. A hundred percent. A lot of times you'll hear, you know, you could be sitting in, in a, a leadership meeting or you're at a networking event and you hear people be like, well, how do I spin that? Or how do I spin this? How do I, how do I, and it's just, I don't know, it sends like chills down my spine when I hear stuff like that. Yeah. Instead of how do I spin it, you know, just revert it back to what is this going to mean for them? Mm right? Find a way where this is good for them. So they understand why this is great. Yeah. And then you're not spinning it. You're telling the clear open truth of why we're considering this truth. and where it's going. There's yeah. the word, the operative word. Not just yeah. with acquisitions. I just think as a communication tactic as whole, yeah. you know, the more we can revert back to what does this mean for, for the, the audience that we're talking to, the better. Yeah. Which ties to, I've also heard you talk about uh, workplace happiness. Before. <laughs> uh, so you talk a lot about the culture and, 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 and workplace happiness, I think the two are interrelated, right? So um, dive into that a little bit. What does workplace happiness really mean to you, John? Yeah, so workplace happiness to me really at the end of the day, it dives down into everybody's got something inside them in their core that makes them feel important. And so how do we as, as you know, companies and employers figure out what makes everybody feel important? And when we find that secret sauce within each individual, we are helping to find their happiness, right? And so um, one of the big things that I've been focused on lately is um, buy-in, 
right? Like a lot of companies talk about buy-in. Hey, we're going to do these things. We want to get buy-in. Um, you know, you walk around and, and everyone's like, yes, buying so important, so important. And I actually like tend to disagree with that a little bit. Um, and what I think, when I think about buy-in, buy-in is me coming up with an idea and convincing you why it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to get you to buy into this idea. And while it still is good and it's better than not getting the buy-in, um, having a little bit more of like an inclusive mindset. And so buy-in is, I have a solution that I want you to understand. Inclusion is we have a problem and we are going to work together to create the solution. Mm -hmm. And and so the more inclusive everybody feels, the more important they feel. And the more important they feel, the more they realize my job has purpose and I feel great about what I'm doing. And because of that, I am happy. It's satisfying. It's yeah. gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. Be part of this. If, if people are part of the solution, they automatically are going to be quote unquote, bought into the solution. hundred percent. And you know, if, if they're bought into the solution, like, let's say, let's go back to the mindset. I have an idea. I convince you, Jeff, that this is the idea. As you're executing the idea, you're like, all right, well, this is John's idea. I'm just going to see this thing through, even though you may have reservations where if you are inclusively part of the solution mm. halfway through, you may be like, you know what, John, I don't think this is a good idea. Let's pivot. And I think this is why and where we should go. And now that we've pivoted together, we're still in it together and then getting to the better solution. It's kind of uh, we've had other guests on the podcast that talked about the evolution from engagement, which I guess you could relate to buy in. OK, I'm engaged. I, I get it. I, I understand what the leaders want me to do. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. to the human also called the human experience, which I guess relates more to workplace happiness. Yep, yep. In my mind, I kind of see those that, that I make that that connection, which frankly leads to the conversation that I've really been looking forward to with you, which is leaders versus bosses. Yeah, because you're talking about, you know, when you just dictate what the solution is going to be and then say, hey, go execute it. You're kind of being a boss. Yep. Yeah, it's bossy. Do this. It's yep. already been decided. It's already been right. decided. Yep. Yep. Versus. I think, and you correct me if, if you see it differently, leadership is more the, uh, the example you gave of including people in the building of the solution. A hundred percent. Trusting and delegating. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen the like memes, right? Where the, the boss is sitting up on, you know, like a, a cart or what have you, and the team is pulling him on the cart, right? Versus a leader where the leader's in the front of the pole line and they're pulling an empty cart, right? And so, a, you know, a leader leads from the front. They're part of it. They're in it. Um, you know, one of the things I think is interesting that separates the difference between a, a leader and a boss is just kind of scrubbing out your vocabulary, right? Getting rid of the words like I and me and replacing it with like we and us, mm. um, removing the, you know, terms like manager, supervisor, replacing them with leader and coach, uh, removing the, the, the terms like employee or line and, you know, um, I, yeah and rank or line and rank, you know, any of those yeah. things, right? Labor, right. removing all that and replacing with teammate. Just having the proper glossary puts you in the right mindset of understanding, okay, this is how we're going to have this inclusive mindset. This is how I'm going to be a leader versus a boss, yeah. right? An employee's got a task. I do, I, I move to a task where a teammate has a goal and there could be a series of tasks or, or audibles or, or what, whatever it is, everyone shifts around to get to the goal. Yeah. A, t a teammate implies that you're 
that you have an individual role to play on a larger team with a shared goal and vision. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like getting away from the, the light. I think you and I actually talked about this coaches versus, versus yeah. managers yep. and some of that vernacular that, that, yeah, that doesn't inspire that feeling of, um, that feeling of inclusiveness and being part of the solution. I agree. And, and also I think at the end of the day, right, we're all human beings. So when we hear a word, we think of what does that word mean? Yeah. And so when we use the, you know, words that aren't moving towards the culture or environment we want, we're already doing ourselves a disservice before we've even tried. Yeah. Um, so by scrubbing that and moving those things forward already helps set up the teammate and the leader for success. So that way now as, as leaders continue to get through the mindset of being more inclusive, right? They're, they're talking to their teams more, they're getting them wrapped in when they're using the right, you know, grammar and vocabulary throughout everyone's kind of got, got the first step through and mm -hmm. driving that forward. When, when you as a leader, um, if you evolve to, to the point of being a leader and kind of involving your teammates in the developing of solutions, delegating, it requires some trust. Do you have to give people the permission to, to fail? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. I was going to say you almost don't even need the permission. It's just feel safe to try stuff. Yeah. Right. And so it's a, it's a common phrase that we use around our organization, which is safe to try. Um, that way, as long as you follow this kind of framework, it doesn't really matter what mistakes you make because the framework's going to guide you if it's okay to fail or when it's not okay to fail. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of books will, or references will talk about like the water line on a boat, right? You can do whatever you want. If you puncture a hole, a hole in the hole above the water line, because we're still going to float. We're still going to move. Yeah. But if the hole's below the waterline, we're going to start sinking. Yeah. And so understanding where failure is allowed and where failure probably needs to get a little bit of a peer review first. Um, but, you know, when we think back to when we were kids, right, we, not, not many of us just got on the bike and started riding without training wheels, without falling, right? Mm -hmm. And every time we fell, we're like, all right, don't do that again, right? Oh, all right, I lean too far. Don't do that again. And so those failures set us up to understand this is how I ride a bike. There's so many old adages and examples of, of uh, the fact that the, uh, and this is one of the adages, the, the path to success is littered with failure. Um, you have to go through it. A hundred percent. So you have to go through it. We've actually been kind of shifting the, the term, like it's okay to fail. And we've been transitioning it over to paying tuition because at the end of the day, that was the cost to learn something. Huh. Um, and then when you talked about the vocabulary shift, right? Like failure sounds like a bad thing, right? Or paying tuition sounds like a good thing. And safe to try is a good thing. Too. And it's also a good thing, yeah. right? And so it's okay to make these mistakes as long as I learn from them and apply what I learned. It, I, I think a lot of leaders don't really think about being that intentional with language. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but um, I, I think it's kind of unique. It seems like one of those unique things about yeah. IT director compass now that, that thinking about like, do you have below the, the, the chief level, right? Um, do you have, are there directors? Are there managers? Are there, oh, yeah. are there VPs? But, but do you call them managers or do you call them something different? Um, so, you know, um, most of the time they're like team leaders. Um, yeah. When we were, you know, before we merged with Compass, we were trying something new. So on the IT direct side, we were actually calling a lot of our, our, our uh, leaders lieutenants. Right. Because they were they were team leaders. They were boots on the ground. They were with them every day. 
they were, you know, going back to that meme image, right? They were the leader. They were on the line with the team pulling the cart mm -hmm. versus telling the team, okay, pull the cart with me on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've really been getting rid of, you know, manager, supervisor, those types of things yeah, and, and yeah. shifting over towards we're all leaders. What about director? Is that, is that, uh, do you have directors? So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to like the, the title on the business card, yeah. there's still a lot of formalities there, yeah, yeah. but what we associate as, you know, changes a bunch. Yeah. I'm being really literal here, but yeah, I'm, thinking, for sure. I'm thinking about, you know, titles that, that conjure up images of the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Direct giving direction versus being part of a team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which, uh, which I have to uh, put a little more thinking into that. What else? Anything else that distinguishes a leader from a boss or, or anything else that we missed about, uh, about the importance of culture and leadership and communication? I mean, the, yeah, there, there's just, there's probably too much to talk about in just one podcast, but yeah. I, I think it's important. And when we think about our culture, the most important piece about it is it needs to be intentional. So we need to know up front what we want our culture to be and how we want to be represented. So that way we can intentionally create a plan, right? How do we, how do we execute this plan to make sure that our culture is what we want it to be? And when we have that plan, it's also easier to measure if it's not what we want it to be. Um, and then another thing I think is super important for anybody who's looking to make a change or, or really enhance their culture is at the end of the day, someone's got to own it. Um, and, and it can't just be someone who it's like a side job. Well, I'm the director of finance, but I'm also going to own the culture. It's too tough to juggle both paths, right? And so if culture is going to be something that, that you're really invested in, double down on it, invest in it, and have a dedicated resource where all they do is just focus in on the culture. Really? So in my mind, I was thinking, like, it can't be one person. I mean, it's, you really have to have the entire the leadership team Oh, it's focused everybody. and engaged, right? But someone should be the designated owner of it. Absolutely. Overall. And so, you know, chief one culture, of the, you, there should be a chief culture officer. Kind of, right? And so in, in our organization, we're actually currently in the process of breaking down the term HR. You know, we're, we're going to outsource the legalities of HR, right? Like all the, you know, all the binary, right? This is, this is this, this is that. Yeah. And we're really shifting over towards a people operations team. And so as a people operations team, our job is to be focused on the team. Our job is to be focused on the culture. What do we need to do to enhance that? What are the tools that we can have to really provide more value back to teammates and leaders to be the best versions of themselves every day? Mm -hmm. And so when we get away from the traditional HR and we get more towards this people operations, now it's got this vision, it's got this mission where it's gonna drive the business forward all through people. Yeah. You'll like this. We, we uh, had a client who had a, a, not a chief human resource officer, but it, it was a chief um, associate experience. There you officer. go. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is right up there with what we're talking about. And, um, but this all ties together. This, uh, the concept of leaders versus bosses, uh, workplace happiness yeah. and, and culture. It's all, that's all part of the culture and the focus and the intentionality of your culture. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's, yeah. you know, without it, then, you know, there's a limitation to how far we go. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Well, listen, we, we, I think we packed a lot of information into a, yeah. a, a reasonable amount of time there, which is, which is great, John. So thanks. Always enjoy chatting with you. Love being here. Appreciate um, it. It's usually even better off off mic. So somehow we'll have to try to <laughs> capture those conversations more candidly. 
you know how this works, though. We don't let you go without some rapid fire questions. Oh, I like it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. And uh, these are going to be different than the ones you did the first time. So it's good. We're going to keep you on your toes. All right. All right. Would you prefer to do laundry or dishes? Dishes. Does the toilet paper go over or under? Always over. If you go under, you're, you, you're in trouble. You are? Always. Always <laughs> in, over. In your house? Oh, yeah. Okay. Favorite TV show that you're currently binging? Uh, Currently binging. Kids and I have been getting into Marvel lately, so we just started watching uh, Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier. All right. If you won the lottery tomorrow, what's the first thing you'd do? Oh, man. I would scoop up all my family from across the country and go somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't know. It also depends on how much money we're talking about here. Uh, it's a Powerball. It's a good sum. Money is no longer sum. an issue. For yeah, you. yeah, I'd go like Oprah and just get this massive mansion somewhere exotic and disappear for a month. I think everyone's ready for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Everyone's ready to get away. Lastly, John, our theme this year is Rise at One Digital. So we all went through and we're still going through uh, hopefully the tail end of a, of, a, of a crazy, you know, 12, 13, 14 months. Uh, 2020 was tough. Uh, how are you guys going to rise in 2021? Mm. So rise is in me or rise is in you. How are you going to rise? How am I going to rise? Yeah. Um, I, I'm really big lately on um, like educating myself on random things, but random things that tie back to what, what really matters to me. So you know, I, I fall subject to the, uh, the TEDx videos and just constantly going down the loophole. And before you know it, the last video I watched had nothing to do with the first one, mm -hmm. um, but they continue to just help me out. So you're always going to learn. Always. Awesome. Thank you again, John, for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As always, everyone, thanks for tuning in. This has been yet another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. <laughs>